You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM, and this is Media on the Radio. Media on the Radio features stories from media professionals, everyone from journalists to filmmakers to marketing experts, to try and give an entree into the entire media field. If you're looking to get your film funded, this episode is definitely for you. I had Harry Lee on, who's a filmmaker. We swapped stories about different tactics, including fiscal sponsorship, which I did not know that much about. Also, I shared my stories with running a couple successful Kickstarter campaigns. You don't have to start your own organization, your own nonprofit. You can find uh, one of these existing fiscal sponsors, especially ones that are tailored for filmmakers. And, I mean, within a few days, you can have uh, an agreement in place and partner with uh, one of these great organizations. And all of a sudden, now online, you can accept credit card donations from people. It just so happens Harry is in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign for for his film, Somaliland, The Abarso Story. Actually... If you check out their Kickstarter, they've already reached their goal of $35,000, which is the bare minimum that they needed to finish it. Really important that you that you check out the Kickstarter, give it a share, give it get, throw out 20 bucks at it because it is one of those projects that has the potential to reach a lot of people, to have a huge impact, and honestly t- to make a big difference. And a really important story that they've been working on, he and his team have been working on for over three years and it's one of those documentaries that's obviously very much a passion project it's a story that needs to be told and they have they are the the people to tell the story this is Devin Gallagher I'm the host of media on the radio and thanks for listening You and your film partner, Ben Powell, coming on to talk about your film, Abarso. Uh, so now we're going to take the, the conversation a little bit further. Uh, we do want to learn, again, uh, for those for those millions of people that didn't tune in for the, for the first one, um, a little bit about your project and your background, and then we'll, we're going to jump in and talk um, about not only Kickstarter, but fiscal sponsorship. So this is, hopefully, will be not, not a... Not necessarily a tutorial or, or a class, but um, at least a couple case studies in, in these, these instruments that filmmakers can use to raise funds for their film. Your project is about a school in Somaliland that you were a part of that you kind of, after spending about three years as a teacher, you decided to embark on this project to make a documentary about Abarso, but also it's kind of broader than that. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. Yeah, the, the school itself is is called Abarso. It's, you know, in northern Somalia in a self-declared independent but unrecognized region called Somaliland. Um, and really what makes it special is that it's this, it's like the lone American-run school in the country. And it happens to be the first school in over 30 years to be sending its students to the U.S. to go to places like MIT and Ivy League schools, things that were just kind of unheard of in the country. Um, Now, for the last, man, almost three years now, um, I've been working with my friend Ben, who's a co-director on this, um, and doing a feature-length documentary about 
Abarso and, and specifically about five of its students, Somali students, who are going through the application process, trying to come to the U.S. so they can uh, kind of pursue their dreams of the like world-class education that will help them go and rebuild their country. Yeah, and I think that I've seen some some versions of the film at this point. I know it's in the editing process, and it really does set up this kind of crossroads and how much pressure is on these young kids to not only get into school but but come back and and be the future leaders because there there is such a glut of you know people that are in leadership roles and uh, there's so much help that they need. So can you talk, going, adding some, a little bit more context of Somaliland itself, can you talk about maybe what they're up against in terms of, of you know, the conditions in the country and, and what, the, what the history is? Sure. Yeah. Since, you know, since the civil war uh, between Somaliland and Somalia ended in 91, uh, this, Somaliland was kind of left in, in this just utter state of destruction. I mean, the, a lot of people say that every single school in the country was razed to the ground. Uh, you know, the specifically infrastructure was targeted during the war. So the roads and hospitals and things like that just were not left functioning. Um, so these kids at Abarso have all grown up in a country that um, was really is still kind of like reeling from this destruction. Um, so... You know, a lot of the challenge when you're talking about these kids competing against uh, Americans who are applying to Ivy League schools, for instance, um, you know, these, these students show up at a Barso in either seventh or ninth grade, usually not speaking any English at all. And then, you know, years, three years later, they're taking the SAT or the ACT and, uh, you know, doing the same reading comprehension that... Uh, these American kids are, um, and it, it's it's a lot to ask of, of any of these students. So you know, they're unfortunately their country's public education system um, is is struggling, and they arrive with holes in their primary school math, and they don't speak English yet. And um, it, it's really it's incredible what they're able to accomplish in three, four, five short years at the school. You didn't go to film school, I know, and, and you've kind of gotten onto this project. Um, some of your p- film partners have made films before or are film professionals. Um, can you talk a little bit about, and this is going to get us into our fundraising conversation, but from an outsider that it's never made a, a film, and the cliche is that it's a journey mm-hmm. <laughs> that you go on. Can you talk, just fill us in on that journey and, and what it's been like just from an outsider, broad strokes? Like... Most things I've done in my life, it was greatly aided by just knowing the right people, <laughs> being friends with the right people. Um, I mean, Ben Powell is this incredibly talented filmmaker, um, despite the fact that he had never made a feature-length documentary before. You know, I mean, he's a great videographer, editor, everything. Um, so having a friend like that who was eager to go off to Somaliland, which, you know, not, not that many people are, uh, that in itself was just kind of a coup. I just felt immediately like this film has a chance with him. Um, and then, you know, I would say about one year into that process for us, uh, we met up with Kate Grinling, who has this great background in TV and film and, you know, had 
kind of created and brought her own uh, independent documentary to national broadcast. And so she added this whole other element of the kind of the business side. And, you know, it's as opposed to the, the indie filmmaker who, you know, Ben had kind of learned everything himself and he owns his own small media company. Um, you know, Kate had worked with HBO and Discovery and all these places. So um, I, I think between the two of them, we, we had this incredible amount of knowledge of uh, but the film industry and this like technical side of filming um, and, and certainly creative. And the role I played was much more of, of the kind of subject matter expert here, being close to the students we wanted to follow and knowing this story. Um, so I think between the three of us, we, we really ended up having a good balance of uh, kind of skills and experiences and interests. To learn more about, you know, your film production um, journey, there's the first podcast that you were on that we, we do talk a lot about that. Um, but just to shift gears a little bit and get into kind of the fundraising and the other business kind of ideas, we do want to cover two things, you know, fiscal sponsorship, which you had emailed me and talked about and said, you know, I think that a lot of filmmakers um, are possibly missing out or not looking close enough at this option, which I agree. Um, this this sexier option is, or the, the more accessible option might be to use like a Kickstarter crowdfunding. Um, and I'm curious to know, you know, what, what about fiscal sponsorship, uh, having gone through it, would you share with other people that might be interested? First of all, for people who don't know what a fiscal sponsor is, um, it's, it's really a, uh, a, a nonprofit organization that allows that can allow your project to uh, reap all the benefits of a nonprofit's tax exempt status. So essentially, um, even if you don't have a nonprofit project, uh, you can team up with with a nonprofit organization and accept tax deductible donations for your cause. Uh, so th- I think the real benefit of it is that you don't have to start your own organization, your own nonprofit. You can find uh, one of these existing fiscal sponsors, especially ones that are tailored for filmmakers. And I mean, within a few days, you can have uh, an agreement in place and partner with uh, one of these great organizations. And all of a sudden, now online, you can accept credit card donations from people. There was a project I was kind of working on where, and, and these were, they were they were asking in a really naive way, but they, they were saying like, well, but what do I get out of it if I give to Kickstarter? Mm-hmm. You know, do, do I get any uh, investment opportunity or anything like that? Well, well no. Um, <laughs> like, well, is it a tax write-off? No, no, it's not. In a lot of ways, I mean, getting an agreement with a fiscal sponsor um, and, and you're, you're a good person to ask about this, but I think could be far less work than running a crowdfund campaign. Um, I mean, you have some of these big organizations like um, uh, IFP and Fractured Atlas, uh, who, who's actually our fiscal sponsor, um, who, who have hundreds, if not you know, thousands over the years of these projects that they're helping. And so... They they have this entire online system. You know everything is uh, automated, so you can have a, a project page in place with your trailer and you know a donate now button. They automatically you know curate all of your tax information. 
Um, and all it really takes is, you know, a, a single application form to any of these places. Wow. I didn't realize that. And then I'm curious what this range is. I'm sure the sky's the limit in terms of if, if you have some really wealthy people that you know that you've tapped for it. But what generally, in your experience, has been, you know, the, the kind of funding or the, or the ballpark amount of funding that you can get for, through fiscal sponsorship? Well, I, th- I think that uh, will always vary depending on your network. Um, but I, I certainly can tell you, you know, if, if you have a network that maybe has a, a lot of people who, who could part with $20, then, you know, some sort of crowdfunding campaign may be better in line with what you're trying to do. Um, but if for your documentary, you're looking at, um, you know, trying to solicit some bigger, you know, thousand, five thousand, ten thousand uh, $10,000 contributions, then fiscal sponsorship is, is a really good way to be able to give those contributors something in return. Well, I was doing one of my Kickstarters. Um, somebody approached us and said, hey, I don't know all about this Kickstarter stuff. He was like, I, I just want to give you cash. I don't care about the perks. <laughs> and it's great, but there wasn't that. There wasn't necessarily a vehicle to do that through the Kickstarter. He's like, I don't want to deal with this website stuff. Let me just let's just talk separately, you know. So that in a, and if you and I think what you're saying is those bigger donors that may have a company, um, the the fiscal sponsorship is is a great option. We can shift gears and talk about Kickstarter a little bit because um, I think looking at them side by side or contrasting is kind of interesting because I got into Kickstarter a little bit early uh, when it first started, and this was for a project called Married in Spandex. So collectively over the projects I've worked through Kickstarter, raised close to $50,000. It's funny because everyone that I was talking to when I was about to launch it was saying, oh, be careful because it's it's saturated, you know. Right. The the market's saturated, Kickstarter market's saturated, just be careful. And that was in 2011. So that was about 7 7 years ago or 6 or 7 years ago. And we were successful and we didn't we, we went down to the wire, but the idea is that it's not necessarily saturated depending on how specific your project is and sure. how specific it is to your audience or to to uh, your network. And what I found was with the two different projects I've done, the first one was about 50% my network of people, and it was about 50% the the network on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So in other words, people that just look for cool projects and and kind of submit their $20, to, you know, Johnny Appleseed of, of $20 here, $20 there. And I think part of that was because of the brand. It was very uh, colorful, flashy, it was uh, for LGBT um, uh, marriage equality. And I think at that time, it was kind of a, a right time, right place. I don't know that that Kickstarter community exists in that way as much anymore. Or it's just more stratis- stratified mm-hmm. so that it's it's spread across more because there are more projects happening on Kickstarter. And I get the question a lot of like, should I do Kickstarter or should I do Indiegogo? And I find um, just from my own experience and checking them both out is that Kickstarter is just a better brand. So mm-hmm. in terms of that, um, I feel like they have better tools, better interface, and also um, they take a little bit less money from from the the pot. So that, that's one of the things that I recommend. And 
and also they, I believe that their algorithms are better. So that's the other thing is getting your project on to within the, the Kickstarter interface is really important um, to kind of get it popped up to the top and, and a noteworthy or a new noteworthy project is really important. And it's it seems like a, a super important point that Kickstarter has this more robust ecosystem of their own, right? Where, you know, you're saying that 50% of your funding came from these strangers who just happened to be browsing on Kickstarter and see your project. Um, so if you're going to a crowdfunding site, I mean, you, you obviously want the site that has the biggest crowd already. That's right. Yeah. And that network is really important. And that you do find, you know, when you look at uh, Reading Rainbow, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the biggest Kickstarters, they had also an amazing campaign that they built. But it's one of those things where it just catches fire and it just gets on all of these different blogs and, and Facebook and everything else. But there is this this scary part where, you know, if it doesn't happen, even if it's a popular project, I've seen several things that have audiences that just die, that just don't, you know, and, and there is that fear of, of, uh, of, well, what if you don't make that goal? Right, but, because you, you lose everything if you right. don't make the goal on Kickstarter. And I feel like that's part of the success of Kickstarter is the fact that it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And so when you get to a critical mass of, say, you're trying to raise $10,000, if you get to if you have four days left and you're at seventy five hundred, there's a way better chance that you're going to reach your goal than if you do all you know just take it as as much as you know I'll, I'll just take what I get. Right. You're probably not going to get that much money, um, and so I think that that's a big part of it. And that's what I've some of the people that I talk to. Uh, it's this kind of dramatic moment leading up to the end where people start sharing it more. People start yeah. you know people that you know that are friends start becoming your uh, foot soldiers right. and trying and have to all these surrogates who are kind of helping you out right and it's only because there is a time clock and there's mm-hmm. a chance that it won't happen mm-hmm. um, so momentum plays a big role in these yeah and I think that's a big part of how it's going too and and that's one of the big things is um, part of the success of <laughs> the married and spandex Kickstarter was actually my wife because she was amazing at campaigns and she had a background in it and she worked it day in day out that was the actual the reason for the success but i think part of the popularity was we actually had these kind of very cool rewards so a spandex spandex gloves custom made you know and and a special dvd with a spandex sleeve and things like that that literally people purchased because they wanted them right and it wasn't so much uh you know a an advocacy, hey, I support this project. Right, it's, it's, it's not just like kind of purely charity. You right. Know, you're offering them something that really interests them. Is mm-hmm. custom and is is not anything else. You can't get it anywhere else, right? So I think that that's a big, becomes a big issue with particularly documentaries uh, or, you know, travel bloggers or things like that is that, you know, what well, what is the get that, because you can't, it's not like GoFundMe where you're just expecting people to give you money, you have to provide them at least something that's worth something. Um, and whether it's the film itself or whether it's a special screening or some sort of special event that they that they might want to attend, it's really difficult to make them spend more than the $10, hey, buddy, really, really supporting this project. Hope you do well. Right. You know, it, it, that's what kind of breaks it down. And, and there's the idea of, of you're literally thinking in your head, 
who now who's my network um okay i know these three people are going to give a thousand dollars at least because i know that they have um really supported the project and i just have this feeling that they mm-hmm. they, they can part with a thousand dollars right and then or is it a tact of you know if you can get 300 people to give ten dollars you know is that your push or are you going after the higher end people you know and and the averages per per gift is really important mm-hmm. so hundred dollars one the second one i did with kandahar journals we had a hundred dollars uh, average which is great because if you get 300 people um that's that's it it became pretty easy to kind of make our averages for the day and things like that right. um so those getting more people to give at least a hundred gets you so much further to to getting a bigger chunk mm-hmm. you know so so would you say that when you are kind of planning out what your goal is going to be for a Kickstarter, uh, that it's more important to, to kind of figure out what you need to finish your project? Or is it more of kind of like a strategy of, of you know, we think like X amount is realistic. So, you know, that's, that's what we're going to go for because we're going to maximize, you know, our returns on this project. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's very, you have to be very careful because, um, you know, it's it's what you want is a, is it maybe five hundred thousand dollars to to, to mm-hmm. but you have to kind of be realistic in terms of what you can get um, from your network. So you just kind of have to estimate, and it and it is kind of it, it'll it'll mess with your brain because you know some people that you that you think are just definitely going to give end up not giving or never responding to your emails. And then some people that you haven't talked to in 15 years uh, come out of the woodwork and maybe an ex-girlfriend that gives $200, right? Right. Um, So some of those things, and it all kind of evens out usually. Um, But one of the big things that I think people are doing now, which makes a lot of sense, is figuring out what that base number is. So say it's it's $20,000 is what you believe that you can get. It's a safe, safe number. Um, and then structuring it so that you can try and get that as soon as possible to open up a stretch goal. And the stretch goals are a really big deal because, um, and you have to kind of plan those ahead of time so that you're planning that to roll it out and you have saved a lot of content and important content to be rolled out at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it was kind of like, oh, we made our goal and now we can get this goal. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a safety school or a, or just kind of a way to cheat the system of, of all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And so w- when you are planning out uh, these rewards, um, how much uh, when you're figuring out the pricing for rewards, is, is there like a, a certain amount that you build in to your profit on each one? Like, do you subscribe to the to the idea that, you know, you should price these as close to what their real value is so that you can draw more outsiders, more of the, the crowd you don't know? Or do you think there's this inherent idea on Kickstarter that, you know, people realize you're trying to raise money for something. And so they're kind of willing to lose a little bit of value and, you know, kind of overpay for these rewards. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's like the PBS model. It's like, 
you know, give $50 and get a mug. It's right. like, well, <laughs> right. you know, I can get a mug for a lot cheaper than that, but right. I understand that this is, and this is something that people kind of get, can get in a, a little trouble with because, and actually Kickstarter has some amazing resources, some uh, spreadsheets that you can download from their website that help you figure out what your target is and then what your costs are going to be. Because you may be a, f- a filmmaker, but it doesn't mean that you're really good at, at you know, making and manufacturing items for sale and figuring out the cost breakdown and how many hours is really the big problem is how long it's going to take you to do all of that stuff. What we called collateral, how much collateral do you want? In other words, you know, if it's a postcard, well, do you, is it just a matter of going to Staples and ordering 500 and what does that cost? Or you know, maybe part of the perk is that you're giving some, some them something that of quality, a quality product that then you have to spend more time, more money. Um, so you really, it's just basic ROI, return on investment, business type mind to, to figure it out. But it you do get some, get, getting back to your question, you do get some leeway with the idea that people are there to support you. Right. There's, there's an expectation that they will you know, kind of overpay, right, right. for right. these products because they're, they're really ultimately just trying to help you create something. And I think what the, the nice thing that you have going for you is um, that you've been talking about this project for a long time to your network, to friends, and you have a quality team that is putting out a quality product. I think what can happen is that, and, and people have gotten really smart, and it's particularly millennials are very good it kind of sniffing out uh, BS when it comes mm-hmm. to these projects. And I've seen projects that, you know, it's when it looks like they spent a, a good two and a half hours putting it together, um, people know that and they don't necessarily want to give, even if it's $10 or $5 for a thank you tweet, they don't typically give that money anyway. Right. Because they kind of get a sense of how much the person has invested in this project and you know, usually it comes with a return whenever, whenever they can see that, that the person is really invested and particularly that they're going to finish it because that's the other thing is that you can't fund, even though it's called Kickstarter, you can't fund an idea on it. I mean, you, people have, but it's, it's a lot harder than if you've already done the shooting and you're in the editing process. Right. People want to pay for the finishing of something. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I think for us, um, in the case of our Kickstarter campaign, it was, it was really important. We all kind of agreed early on that we did not want to run a Kickstarter campaign until we felt like we were close to finishing. You know, we, we have a lot of filmmaker friends who have been in situations where they ran a Kickstarter and, you know, got a lot of support, amazing support from their friends and family and their community. Um, and, you know, documentary filmmaking in general, is it's like independent filmmaking is super unpredictable in nature. Mm-hmm. And so you never know if you're going to, you know, fall into a, a six month un, unexpected delay or if, you know, a year later suddenly something's going on with your characters and you are back shooting again when you thought that you were going to be done editing. Just um, hypothetically. Just hypothetically, <laughs> you know. Just <laughs> um, And so uh, to us, it was really important that we waited to run a Kickstarter until we felt like we were going to be able to deliver a product in a short amount of time. 
you know, we didn't want people to have to wait indefinitely. And so for us, we were kind of hoping that that would also incentivize people, you know, because a lot of Kickstarter, you know, we've, we've individually supported a lot of Kickstarter uh, documentaries and, you know, being involved on a project like this, I completely understand when, when a project emails out, uh, you know, three, four months after they were supposed to deliver something and they just say like, hey guys, sorry, <laughs> you know, this, this came up and this came up and I, you know, we completely understand, but I, I do think, um, being able to offer like a, a realistic chance at a finished product in a short amount of time, like can hopefully incentivize a, a lot of donors who otherwise might want to wait and see. Yeah, it's, it's great. I think the other key component to the, to the actual campaign itself, because it is a campaign. So you really, it's not a kind of set it and forget it. I've, I've put all the, the copy and written all about the project and did the Kickstarter video. And now I'm just going to wait for my, <laughs> my money to roll in. Right. Um, because the, and, and the biggest tool in that is either to have some sort of network to start. So if you have a following, it really helps. Um, but uh, I found that, that the number one way to get people to react is by um, not only hammering them every day uh, on social media, but really the, the email marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. So emailing, um, writing those emails very specifically to very specific people and pretty much like everyone you've ever met or, or said right. hi to. Um, so that's kind of that's where the, a lot of the work comes in is to to build those emails and send off you know uh, a thousand emails in a month mm-hmm. um, would doesn't guarantee but pretty much if you have a, a good product um, that's definitely going to be the best way to do it right and it's you know like you're saying it's an incredible amount of work and it's a huge investment on your part uh, but I think you know for some people it's it's also you've got to get over uh, your your pride, right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to get past the fact that you are, you know, contacting this old friend of yours who you haven't talked to in a while and be like, Hey man, I've, you know, I'd love to get $25 from you, uh, to support this project. Um, but I, I think like in all fundraising, you know, it's, you need to look at it as like you, you're offering this opportunity to people for them to get involved in and support something that's really special, something that you really believe in, that that you really care about. Uh, so, it, you know, I think for a lot of young filmmakers, especially, they it, it might it might feel awkward or uncomfortable to be asking people for money. But you know, you, if you really care about your project and you know, that's, that's the case for 100% of independent filmmakers, then, you know, it's, it's really you're giving people a chance to get involved. And you, you need to look at it that way because uh, otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to send that many emails if you're, uh, you know, having this like moral, moral dilemma every time. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing that people should key in on uh, when it comes to Kickstarter is not it, it is in a sense a Kickstarter of your project itself. So this is for the for many people the first time that people are seeing something about your project and the awareness that you get from doing that campaign only is going to help your project down the road. So finding 
finding not not necessarily money, but maybe some sort of producer sees your project and propels it into a different level or finds you di- more easily finds you distribution or things like that. So it, it does benefit. There are a lot of indirect or intangible uh, benefits to doing something like this that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to quantify when, whenever, you know, you look back, but it is definitely a lot of work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. How much of your support on Kickstarter and these various campaigns has been from people who are neither in your existing network uh, nor in just like the Kickstarter ecosystem. I mean, how are you able to draw in people who just haven't heard of your project before but are interested in some way? Not too much, you know, because they do give the breakdown of, of uh, the, from a Google search or from Facebook. A lot of them come from Facebook, and it does break that down, um, how they found you. Um, but really, again, just clicking links from your emails that you send is probably going to be the majority of what happens. And and you had mentioned the possibility of some media, and it's it can be tricky because we, we we did get some media for for our Kickstarter campaign, and I think for general awareness about your project, it's probably uh, would help. But I think there's some media outlets that are a little squeamish about um, kind of having somebody come on to pitch their project that then they're going to earn income from or something like that. So it does, it does make it harder to make that media hit about the Kickstarter versus about the project. Um, But of course you could probably make a pitch at the end of it. And then we also kicked around the idea of events, Um, having a fundraiser event where, you know, you, if you, you're at the event and if you give it the event, you know, we're going to tweet you or (laughs) whatever. Um, But then we kind of scrapped all of those ideas because again, about that collateral, about how much work it is and and the return on investment was probably not going to be that much. Right. And that your time is maybe just spent better writing more emails to people. Right. Exactly. And there's a lot of other, you know, there's a lot of other resources out there about Kickstarter, but, um, you have to just be careful about the financing things too, um, because so, there's some there's some gotyas on that. Um, things like that you can't fund your own Kickstarter campaign. You can't give mm-hmm. even a dollar to, to tip it over the the edge because mm-hmm. you could be disqualified and lose all of that that money, but also that capital that you that you have. Right. Um, it's funny. I have a couple projects that um, side projects I'm kicking around putting on Kickstarter or something else like that. But it's it's almost, I feel like I want to reserve it for the every three-year project that, right. that comes right. up. You know, it's like that, because it is, and, and this is one of those things where, and I've seen people do three Kickstarters for one project where, okay, now, now we're working on the editing and now we're doing this. And they break it up into smaller, smaller goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you use a lot of social capital whenever right. you do this, so... It's one of those things. It's it has to be kind of, from my point of view, it has to be kind of monumental and really at the right time, or else <laughs> you've sure. just wasted a lot of, sure. of, of that capital. What's important to remember about Kickstarter is that they are a for-profit company. You know, I mean, they have uh, kind of supported and spawned some incredible uh, inventions and and you know helped grow some companies and. Uh, some great film projects. I mean, occasionally like Academy Award-winning projects. 
Um, but I think it's important for independent filmmakers to remember, like first and foremost, Kickstarter is a, not, is a for-profit company. And so if they feel like your project is going to be able to benefit them, then, you know, they'll, they'll give you extra attention, they'll feature it. Um, and I think from, from your own personal experience, you know how helpful, how critical it can be to be like one of the featured projects, you know, to be kind of like um, either what's like cool or relevant at the time um, and get that wave of support from them. So I, I think Kickstarter is a, you know, it's a group of really smart people um, who have come up with this, you know, an, an incredible model uh, that benefits both them and, you know, creators of, of various products. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I do think it's important to kind of keep in mind like, what, what their end goal is and, and how you frame all of your planning and your strategy um, to kind of fit within that framework. Yeah, and if this doesn't work, you could always just make potato salad. <laughs> exactly. Did you see that Kickstarter? Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> if I wasn't literally doing a Kickstarter, like we, uh, if I was doing my Kickstarter during that one, mm-hmm. I would be very upset. Luckily, yeah. we had we had started like a month after that, but it was just like. To me, it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, if, if you can hit on some sort of viral Kickstarter, like the, the sky's the limit for for what you can raise. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I think that goes back to what you were talking about with your rewards. Just like creativity plays a big role yeah. in this, in both, you know, how you structure your campaign, how you uh, come up with your rewards, uh, how you promote yourself and, and the campaign. And so it's uh, that's I think that's a good um, but fun challenge for filmmakers. Cool. And can you just to finish up? Can you um, talk about what the website or the company you, you used for for fiscal sponsorship, and then also talk uh, where you can find out more information about the film? Sure. So the, the fiscal sponsor that we use is called Fractured Atlas. Um, they're one of the biggest groups in the game. Um, which again for us was a big advantage. They already have the the infrastructure set up to easily uh, partner with you, easily um, process donations, give you all your your tax receipts. Um, And so it it just, it makes everything so that much faster. They have low fees. Uh, Fractured Atlas takes uh, a 7% administrative fee and no credit card fees at all. So I, I believe the average uh, f- fee from fiscal sponsors is 10%. Um, and you can certainly learn a, a lot about them on uh, pbs.org. has a great fiscal sponsorship page. Um, there's a website called the Fiscal Sponsor Directory where you can look up all sorts of fiscal sponsors that might be relevant for you know your specific cause. And you know, there are fiscal sponsors, you know, even specifically with filmmakers that are around a certain cause, you know, environmental ones, or um, there's one that specifically works with female filmmakers uh, called Women Make Movies that has this robust network and all these resources. Um, there's, you know, for uh, religious-based themes, there's the Hartley Film Foundation. I mean, the Kickstarter is going on right now, so... Um, how can they 
they find out more about that or sure our our kickstarter project is called somaliland the abarso story uh, you can find out more about us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Somaliland Film. Uh, follow us on Twitter at, at Somaliland Film. Uh, and we've got our own website, uh, which is somaliland.hapa-productions.com. Uh, so we, you know, we're, we're trying to tell this story that it's certainly become a lot more relevant in, in the last couple of weeks, given the executive order uh, banning visas from seven majority Muslim countries. Um, so we're, yeah, we're really trying to get this story out there to kind of put a face on the people who are directly being affected by this ban. Well, cool. Thank, uh, go ahead and check out the Kickstarter and, and support um, Harry Lee and his film partners as they continue their journey <laughs> to get this film made. All right. Thanks for coming on. Harry. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Deb. You can go to waitwhatpro.com to find past episodes of Media on the Radio. Please subscribe on iTunes to Media on the Radio, where each week it'll send the podcast directly to your phone. You don't have to do anything. It'll just send it right to you. It's so easy.